Oh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's uh, nice to see a bit of rain. Mm. Uh, we haven't had it yet in Peak. Apparently, it's been dry. I'd say it's been dry there, not forecast for t- yesterday or today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I think around here it's looking at 10 to 20 uh, to 20 mils around here. Is, we're looking at 1 to 5 in peak. We did have some rain. Yeah. How many of you can remember what I spoke on last time? I'm not here. <laughs> How many of us did I have can remember what I spoke on last time I was here? I was on Haggai. At least someone listens. <laughs> it's all right. I can ask the people at Folk at Church what I spoke on the week before and they can't remember anyway. So I could preach the same sermon time after time after time and no one would know. Today I'd like to look at Malachi. Again, looking at the minor prophets, we've been doing that in, in Peak Sherlock. And uh, a bit different looking at the minor prophets. So let's put Malachi into his position. He's the last of the books in the Old Testament. When's he writing? What's happening? If you remember Haggai, we could date very specifically to 520 BC. It was the year of Darius, the second year of Darius's reign. At that time, Haggai comes and God says to the people, How come you're living in your houses that you've rebuilt, but you haven't rebuilt my house, the temple? Well, within five years, the temple was rebuilt. So by 515 BC, the temple had been rebuilt. Malachi comes about a hundred years later. So we're looking at around between... 430 to 415, 420 BC. Ezra has come, Nehemiah has come, and he's probably back on his second time as governor in Nehemiah. The people have rebuilt the temple and they've been waiting to see God's promises fulfilled. Because God said, you rebuild the temple, the people will come back, the people of the world will come, and, and but it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. They were still in poverty. They were still struggling. And they had forgotten. They had forgotten God. And they had begun to become disillusioned. They had begun to become disheartened. They had begun to be taken for granted. And were holding to a form of religion 
but denying the reality of it. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds very familiar. So, Malachi. Who was Malachi? We've got no idea who Malachi was. We don't know where he's come from. We don't know who his father was. We don't, and his name appears, and it's, as, it's the only time in the Old Testament his name appears, is in Malachi. And his name means my messenger. So he comes at that time and he comes and he speaks and then from Malachi on there is silence. For 400 years there is silence until the coming of Jesus. There is no prophecy. God does not speak to his people directly in the same way in that 400 years. So we're looking forward and we're looking at what was happening. An oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? You know, this 54 verses, 53 verses, there are 27 questions in this. So it's a lot of dialogue by questioning rather than just saying this is, this is what God is saying. And he says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how has you loved us? How often, when things are going tough, when things are going and there are so many things, bad things happening around, how often do we ask the question, how has God loved us? A world looks around and sees so much suffering and things going, and you talk about a loving God. How has God loved us? They've forgotten. So what God does is he says to them, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. And I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will call the wicked land, be called the wicked land, and the people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes, says the great. Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. Jacob and Esau, who were they? They were twins, weren't they? But Esau was the one that was born first. And God had promised Rebekah that the second will serve, the first will serve the second. God chose Jacob before he was born 
to be the line through which he was going to create his people. Why? Because he loved him, he chose him. And he turned Esau aside. Now, we have this thing about love and hate. Often we look at love and hate as being primarily a feeling. Yes? It's not. It's an action. When God says, I have loved you, he says, I have chosen you, not because I feel wonderful about you, but I have chosen you because I want you, because I love you. To not choose is to reject, is to hate. Nothing to do with that horrible feeling that we get tied up in the knot, in the stomach. It's not primarily a feeling, it's primarily an action. When Jesus says to her, if you don't, if you love, you, you're, you're, don't hate your mother and father and brothers and sisters, and we think, well, you know, that's... But it's really saying, if you don't put me first, if you don't put me first, by putting Jesus first, they become secondary. That is to hate. It's not to say, oh, I've got to get rid of them and that sort of thing. It's, it's not a feeling. It's a doing. And what God is saying, he says, because I'm showing my love in that I have loved Jacob. I chose him I loved him, not because of what he has done, not because of who he is, not because of anything else, but I have chosen him. We can look at our lives. And God says to us, I have chosen you. I have loved you. He has loved us in that he gave his son to die for us. John 3.16 says, for, I, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Unwarranted love. Unwarranted love. But it's not that Jacob chose God. Because he didn't. God chose him. And it's interesting to see the way that God works. That he chooses us. Why? Because we're good people? Because our hearts are set on him? Because no, he chose us because he chose us to forgive us, to love us, and it's his spirit that draws us to him. Lest we boast. Lest we boast. Because he has called us. I'm talking uh, just before we came last time to my brother-in-law. 
He lives in Kangaroo Island. And uh, we were, well, my sister and, and Jenny were at college together, but Jenny, uh, Elaine was posted to teach at Pandana. And she met this young man who wasn't a Christian. And they were getting on like a house on fire. And Jenny and I were going over to visit. And uh, we decided, I decided that um, I didn't want to witness to Des. <coughs> because if I was witnessing to Des, I might be witnessing out of a wrong motive. You see, I might be wanting to win him to the Lord so that he could marry my sister. But, you know, he wouldn't stop asking questions. And then the last night we were there, we'd been to a Bible study and we were in the car and said, shall we pray? He said, yeah, okay. But he said to me, the last, when the, we'd just seen them last, he said, I decided I wasn't going to be giving my life to the Lord. I tried that, I'd asked all of those things and those sort of things, but there was nothing. But as we prayed, God's Spirit worked in my life and I could do nothing but give my life to the Lord. You see, it's not us who choose God. How has he loved us? I have loved you. I have chosen you to be mine. I have chosen you to be mine. Now, the way we respond to that is a lot of that in, in our doing. But you see, it's God's spirit that enables us. Jesus talks about the Spirit coming to convict us and those sort of things and to bring us to himself. That's the work of the Spirit. Because God has chosen us. How have I chosen you? How have I loved you? Because I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. He says to us, when things are going wrong, and I can think of the number of times when you look at people and you say, I've got a friend who was in college, he was, in, in, he was a doctor, he'd been over to, to Scotland and he'd done Edinburgh, Oxford and Edinburgh and all of those areas and he came back and of course the Royal College of Surgeons wouldn't recognise him in Australia so he had to do a whole lot of more study in order to do that. He was married, married and he was intending to go to Nepal to get knocked back. They had a little girl who died of SIDS. They went up and they were in Darwin and they were working and uh, there, those areas. And then his eldest son who was studying medicine, suicided. His 
only daughter was in a car accident and left a paraplegic. And that though it's all like there are times when you say, Well, God, how have you loved us? But he maintains his strength and knowledge that God loves him, loves them, because he has chosen them. It's easy to forget. When we get into difficult situations, it's easy to forget. But God comes again and he says to us, I have loved you because I have called you. Now, the rest of Malachi goes on with a whole lot of areas. One of those areas is that the priests have are accepting and bringing blemished sacrifices to God. And God says, you dishonour me by it. And they say, how have dishonoured you? In other words, when we forget God's love and that he has loved us, what happens is that it flows through to the rest of our lives. We bring second best, or the leftovers to God. Leftover time, leftover things, leftover money. We forget to be able to teach and do things in the right way. And, and when it goes on the, the, to the priests, he says, <coughs> I will rebuke you because you... And he calls them back to their calling to Levi. It shows in that the priests and the people of Israel, after they have come back, intermarry with other people, dishonouring God. It shows that they forget to give their tithes. See, when we forget that God has loved us, we act in a way that puts God second instead of first. And we give to him what's left over but the focus of our attention still is on us not on him. And so God is coming to them and saying I want your focus my, your attention to be focused on me. Remember. Remember that I have loved you. Regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of the circumstances. And that your lives will then demonstrate my love to others. Because you will then live in a way that shows me to others. In the passage, 
in the passage that we're looking in, looked at also in the admonition to the priest. God is curses the priest for their apathy. They've become to a point of saying, oh, what's the bother? Why should I go to church? It's no use. It's a waste of time. And God says to them, he reminds them then of Levi. That it was the tribe of Levi. What were the tribe of Levi special for? For being the priests. Why were they the priests? God chose them. Why did he choose them? If we go back to Moses bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt, it was the tribe of Levi that stood with Moses against when they built the, the golden calf. And so God made a covenant with them as to be the priesthood forever. They would have no land. They would have no, no properties. They would be supported by God's people as God's representative to them and them, them representing the, uh, the people to God. Who are today's priests? We are. One of the tender things we hold very strongly to is the priesthood of all believers, don't we? So we can bring the world to God. And we bring God to the world. Yes? If we forget the love of God, what sort of picture do we bring to the world? We bring a picture that says, God isn't love. God doesn't care. But it's through our living and our being. So the people, the Levites, were people of godly commitment. They were a people of godly character. They were a people of godly communication. And God has called us, not because of how good we are, but because God has called us, because he has loved us, to do that to the world around us. To be committed to him. To be, have the character that shows him. And to communicate him to those around us. We can only do that as we remember his love for us and keep it fresh. Let's pray. Father, you have loved us. We haven't deserved your love. We haven't earned your love, but you have loved us. And we thank you for the greatness of that love. And Lord, may it be so strong and fresh in our hearts and minds that we 
demonstrate that love to a world that is broken and hurting. And that we may show you to those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen.